Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. It's like, it just tastes like berry. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. But uh, it's just a bunch of fucking uh, vitamins. like um, <laughs> A bunch of fucking vitamins. Like, uh, <laughs> hold, on, hold on, I'll show you. The girls are always like, oh, so cool. I'm get my skin tab. And they like open it. They already have it out of the package. I'm not as graceful. And they're like, <laughs> drop it in. They're like, I'm so skinny. But... <laughs> It's just got like a bunch of teas and elderberry and beet, pomegranate, ginger, you know, just all that shit. Right. But it gives me a nice little boost to energy. Well, that's good. And I got to go in and transfer some beer after this. Lager Book Club. You think anyone read it? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. I think maybe, maybe they I will know. because of our. Yeah. So. With this, I've got my have a I've got, yeah I've got my YouTuber like makeup light. I don't like that. that I'm gonna. What does that mean? It's you know the like it's one of those ring lights. So no. you oh well okay. <laughs> Here I'll turn it off and show it to you. Okay cool. We'll keep doing show and tell on this our <laughs> podcast with no visual medium. So it looks like that. Oh okay okay I see I see I see. And this one that I have, it also has a little, like, phone. So you can put your – you're supposed to uh, put your phone in front of it so you can record and have that light, like, right above it. Mm-hmm. So you've got good lighting. So it's what, like, YouTubers used to do, like, makeup tutorials. Oh. Well, I <laughs> think you look good no matter what. <laughs> Hi, guys. A lot of you have been asking about my skincare routine. Like, that's <laughs> – I'm that just glad no thing. one can see me right now. Except <laughs> okay, I just rolled out of bed. I don't even know what my eyes look like. Just like, hello. (laughs) Glad there's no mass amount of light on me. Yeah, I just realized, like, in the the since I have it like pointing down right now, I just like have like weird shadows. Yeah, seems fine to me. I'm not offended. It's almost like I'm maybe in a cellar. (laughs) It's dark, and this is where I've been sitting and getting better with age. Getting clearer. I'm gaining clarity. Just like bottom fermented beers. Yeah, it's like because of this uh, stay at home stuff, you know, we're all lagering right now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're all lagering. We're just sitting here. I would say getting fatter with age myself personally, or with time, with lager time, but no excuse for it because I still go to the brewery every day. I have no excuse. So yeah, today we are talking about our new favorite book, A Brief History of Lager, 500 Years of the World's Favorite Beer by Mark Dredge. It and we keep, we keep showing the book to each other. And like, <laughs> I got my copy. I just realized that is the barrel on the cover. It's cool. Yeah. I thought I, it's like throughout the book, they have those kinds of illustrations that I'm just like, oh yeah, this is... So a little cask with some little barleys on the side. Mm-hmm. It's lager beer. 
Yeah, it's all about lager beer, but it's, it's cool because it's like a story of lager beer from yeah. one guy's research and perspective. But um, I like that. I like stories. It makes it easier to read. It's not like just like, here's a book about yeast fermentation, you know, you're like, right. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> right. Well, and, and Rachel and I have, since we're both studying, we are reading a lot, but we're reading a lot of books that are like, here's the process for Britannomyces fermentation. Yeah. And it's, you know, you, I have all of the books and all of the books have the same information, just organized a different way or yeah. presented a different way. And one of the things I really liked about this, like you said, is it is this isn't a brewing book. It's yeah. a book about beer and it's written from the point of view of a person who is an enthusiast and who is a writer, not a beer person writing a book. Yeah. So it's not it's technical a research and travel, it seems like, to write this book. Yeah. Um, and it's just it is it's, it's stories. And so it's fun when you've read all about, you know, like Emil Christian Hansen isolating pure yeast strains. So yeah. like that's something that, you know, but then in this book, it's also like, and he loved mac and cheese or just like weird, <laughs> you know, like all of these weird facts. It's a great point because like, you know, some of these different stories as you start to learn about beer, like Lewis, Lewis Pasteur is the name they tell you about. It's the name they teach. There's right. so many other guys involved with yeast, but you like start to learn about all this stuff. And then this book, it, it mentions these certain people like it's all like history. This is history. It's a history book and it right. brings it all together. And one of the things I started doing and I haven't finished and but and I will I'll share it with you and I do, and, you know, I'll share it with anyone who wants it. But I started making a timeline, like literally every single date that is mentioned from page one to page zero. That doesn't make sense at the end. <laughs> and, <laughs> but like putting the dates in and even if it's just like Munich declared a beer purity law in this in their city in this year and it's just yeah, like in order that's really smart. and just because things like history really does help me to understand how this beer style evolved and like master it if you will for lack right. of reward um my god I, I can't I hope more people write more books like this about different styles because it is really that great. And I love how it starts. It starts from the beginning. He's like, oh, man, I don't want to spoil this book. And I don't think I will. But it paints this beautiful on page one. It paints this beautiful scene of him being in the cellars at Shankerla. Yeah. Trying some beer off the tank. And I've been there. Like, I've been <laughs> in the cellars at Shankerla. I took my freaking 80-year-old grandma. <laughs> That's the best part. I know you know this story, but I'm telling the readers, like, what is it? Maybe a year before we opened the brewery, mm-hmm. right after we got married, Jeff and I were like, you know, I know we just got went on our honeymoon, like on a trip. It's like we should just go, like we should take another trip because I was studying for advance, so obviously I was going to be somewhere beer, and um, it just was good timing. We knew our lives were going to be over when the brewery opened, and we had a lot of work to do. Not, you know, we opened in August, but like. You know, right when we got the building, it was game on. So right. we did it. So we went to Germany and we decided to take my grandma. She uh, used to travel a lot with my granddad and he's not around anymore. And it's just like one of those things that you just got to do for your older people in your life sometimes. And Jeff, now, if you know a little bit about pilot or me or Jeff, you know, he's a pilot for American Airlines. 
he had all the uh, all the employees for American Airlines had won some like American Airlines won some award. So they decided to treat everybody and give every single employee like two confirmed seats to anywhere you wanted. And they had to be used within like a year. So we yeah. had these. So we had all these things falling in line. We had grandma had a confirmed way to get there. We had the time, blah, blah, blah. We're taking grandma. This lady, this lady says she's fancy. She says she's, <laughs> she she's cool and can roll with the dice, but she's fancy. I hope she listens to this. I love you. <laughs> but she fancy. So uh, the way these tickets work, which is really, really, really nice of American Airlines, is if there's an open first class seat, you can have it. Wow. So, yeah. And this is international flight. Oof. So that would be amazing. Someone who's so, flown internationally coach, that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So there's two seats open. And uh, so Grandma Carol and I got to go sit in first class. And she, oh, man, <laughs> you, 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 this is the worst way to start off a trip, you know? Like, <laughs> like well, yeah, everything's going to be totally easy, you know? She's like, lay in a first class, sleep in for a night, five course dinner, the tea. Anyways. We get to Germany, and we set everything up nice for Grandma Carol. She didn't have to rough anything on the trip, but but this is a beer trip, okay? So right. we're going down to Ankerlaw. That's our first stop. We're in Bamberg. Or oh man, if you watched the Dovetail tour the other day, yes, Bamberg. Yes, we in Bamberg. <laughs> we were in Bamberg. Yeah. He was like his accent would change. Be like, yeah, I'm a normal American accent. Bamberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, quick side note, because I also know that friend of the podcast, Shana, listens. Uh, but if you have not, if you're listening to this and you have not had a chance to yet, go to YouTube, go to Dovetail Brewing, uh, yeah. go to their channel and watch the tour of their brewery. Because I haven't gone on that tour yet. I want to. It's on my list of tours I want to do. It gets consistently rated one of the best brewery tours in Chicago. That brew house is bad to the bones. And it was really cool to be able to see it with the two brewers and the owners yeah. and then walk through the brewery and tell like what you're doing, what I will promise I will let you get back to in a second. No, but yeah. listen to them tell the story of this is why we use this malt and this yeah. is what we were doing here. So anyway, <laughs> Dovetail Brewing <laughs> Dovetail Brewing, go watch the the tour of their brewery because yeah. it's really, really good. So yeah, I will let you get back. They'll totally explain more about the city. Bomber. I just love the way they just, ah. But it anyways, sounds kind so, of like, um, is it Thunderstruck by ACDC? Like, <laughs> thunder! Like, <laughs> it's almost like they're screaming, but, like, trying not to scream. Like, bah, bah! <laughs> anyway. So we get there. And uh, first stop is Shankala. Like, I mean, it must be, I don't know, 11 a.m. But we are, like, there for uh, Matthias set up this tour. Like, this guy I know, I don't, oh, my God, this is so bad. He runs, you probably know him, too. He runs Pints for a Purpose here in Charlotte and, like, or Pints for, or for Pints for Prostates. Pints for Prostates is what he runs. Oh, okay, okay. You, I think you know this guy. I feel like he's in Homebrew Club or something. I feel like. I've probably I, met like, him. I met him at, like, one of Charles's, one of. Yeah. A, I was going to say, I've been at a couple of Pines for Prostates things, so I, I'm sure yeah. I probably met him. And um, so we were, talk we were talking, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to you know Germany. He was like, oh, I can set you up with Matthias and get you a tour of Shankerla. I was like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. 
So that scene that they paint in the beginning of this longer book, I was there with my That's awesome. Grandma, trying, like, I have pictures somewhere. I'll, I'll find them for you. But, like, trying beer off the cellar tanks, the Shrinkola smoked Bach beer I had. Oh, I, my favorite. Um, got to see the brew house, Copper Kettle. Like, the, he had a little computer. He runs things. And the little tank says, Hefe. <laughs> so cool. And Grandma's like, you know, she's such a span of little birdie. She's like, okay, this is cool. And I'm, you know, we're ready to go. I'm, you know, I'm just like, you just hang on, Grandma. You're here for the ride. Yeah. She, she did. She loved it. And then, um, then we, you know, go down to the bar, to the the brewery, to not the brewery, the restaurant, the, and had lunch there. And uh, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. So if, and that's one of the things about if you want to go see a brewery like this, you can't, they don't have tours, you know, right. but you can ask, like one, you can walk up and ask, you never know what will happen. Like they totally, they're super nice people. They totally might just take you around. Like you can just walk in like, like and when really that closed off, I mean, <laughs> right, <laughs> like you right. can see them bottling. It was pretty cool. And, um, or you can reach out to them, like. I, I was there was a couple breweries god I feel like it's kind of hard to remember no no yeah Germany was pretty much like Belgian in the sense where there weren't a ton of breweries with like tap rooms like America right. every brewery has tap room they have hours you can go it's no big deal here or there it's not like that like when we were in Belgium same with Germany we had to set up these tours and so sometimes you just got lucky like Dusseldorf Urgy, four tours a year. We happened to be in Cologne, Dusseldorf, our day on that day. Like it just happened to work out. And the tour is like it comes with a big dinner. It's like a big, huge to do. Right. Like I didn't know anyone. That was nothing special. I just got lucky. And um, so she's super amazing. That was like right before um, Oktoberfest started. So it kind of made sense, like that they would have one of their yearly tours. Right. But it's so fun to go over there and just like this book explains and just like immerse yourself in the history. Cause you really can learn a lot. Um, my favorite thing in the beginning of the book is when they talk about, you know, obviously besides that scene, but when they talk about, um, Ren Hoxabot and, um, it, it, like it was a whole new land ordi- ordinance book that was written and Ren Hoxabot, the beer purity law, wasn't even called Ren Hoxabot was one page of it. Right. It was just like, okay, no, we just want thing, it to be made with these ingredients. And it was mostly about price, too. Like, we don't want it to cost that much. It needs to be, like, this much. And right. it was such a non-big deal thing to them that shaped, like, all this history of brewing. Right, right. Like, yeah, for sure. Well, and I love that story, too, where, like you said, like, he, like, just went to that guy's office. And, like, it's this this, like, Prince of Bavaria who's like, Oh yeah, you want to see it? I've got it right here, and like just gets it, like gets out yeah. Yeah, the, the actual text. Yeah, yeah, it's like if somebody has like a Gutenberg Bible and is like, oh yeah, you want to see this? It? Just right here, and it's like, whoa, what? That's amazing. <laughs> I just have it. I just happen to have the original copy. Yeah, in like, my, it's, yeah, it's right there. I've got it's under my. And the guy's cup. like, are you fucking shitting me? Like I know that's what he said. He could not write that in this book. <laughs> right. It's like, yes, I want to. And then he goes in and he's like, oh, I just expected this like one page of 
old printed paper with a red ribbon, like in a you know frame on his wall. And he's like, no, it's just a page in this book. He's like, when when you had to like spread the word of the new law, they like market. It was like a marketing thing. They like made a page and right. This is your, you know, that's how they got the word out to the the brewers. And but what's amazing about that is think. Okay, so to put that into context, you know how every like we have like the the federal minimum wage and the um is it like the workplace safety no what is it there's the poster that every employer has sure, to have yeah, hang- yeah like so, a workplace safety poster and like yeah. minimum wage yeah you're you're right right it's okay like so it is like the minimum wage so if you think about that that's in the code of federal regulations which comes in several books and it's probably one yeah. page so that's like if 500 years from now like you freak the fuck out because you get to see the yeah. actual code of federal regulations where yeah. it says there's a minimum wage and you're like, and then they made posters and everybody had them hung up. Yeah. So everybody knew the law. It's like, the, <laughs> it's like these every, every day when governor Cooper is given a new ordinance or whatever, and it, you know, you're just like, ah, this is the one that's going to shape yeah. history. And then yeah. 500 years, remember when governor Cooper said that we could have the patio open? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's like, I, like realized oh, I could <laughs> But yeah, and this, and then um, I will also say, quick side note, that you telling your Germany story reminds me we need to do an episode. So we're going to do the episode coming up where we talk about like the five most influential beers we've had. Yeah. We need to do an episode on beer travel. Oh yeah. Well. Right. So anyway. There's some good places I've been, but there's some places I need to go too. Yeah. Well, and and we can talk about it in that episode, but you know, even when I travel to cities for work, I end up going to breweries and beer bars because it's a great way to see the city, but yeah. we'll save that. Uh, yeah. When you said like, you can't set up places, don't have tours. You have to set them up. What that made me think of. And I was looking over this again, right before we started recording is, you know how much I love my boys, Gabriel and Anton and them like having hijinks in, uh, in the UK but that's one of the things that they did. They wanted to go to this brewery and see yeah. the brewing process that they had read about yeah. and it wouldn't give them tours. So they went yeah. to the brewer's house. Like they yeah. were like, let's just go to his house. So they went and knocked on his door and they were <laughs> like, hello, we would like to <laughs> learn about your brewing process. And the I guy was like, yeah, sure. okay, sure. <laughs> and also like gave them a letter of introduction that they could take around to other breweries yeah. to like, gain entry to them and so that's like that's that's I love that story and also that guy the or the the guy who he also wrote the art of brewing and got more influence from so Gabriel and Anton are yeah part of the uh, we're we're partying um we're talking about so there's part of the book that's called the great the great grandfathers of loggers it's like one of the chapters well they, they speak of two Brewers in particular. So Gabriel's dad basically bought Spotten. Mm-hmm. So Gabriel's Gabriel dad. I can never say it. Siedelmeyer. Siedelmeyer. Yeah, that sounds right. So his dad was the Gabriel Siedelmeyer, the elder, and then yes. he was the younger. Yes. So Gabriel and, Gabe. you know, like Gabe. Gabe's a young, dashing brewer man who's learning to get his wits about him and learn more about the craft. So he's, he's gets sent to London, correct? And then um, kind of, he, like he, 
Well, he gets sent on a beer travel, but he starts. Right. So, home. yeah, like, it's funny because in the book it says that he went to Belgium and didn't like the sour yeah. beers. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he was very scientific-minded. So it was he was also kind of a joke, like it, kind of an embarrassment to his dad because he wanted to use a thermometer. And the book tells the story of his dad, like, was very reticent to use new technology, but all the brewers made fun of his son because they said, well, we know how to tell the temperature of our beer, but he needs a thermometer. Yeah. And so he's very scientific minded. And at the time, the brewers in England were very, were also very scientific, whereas Belgium and other places were more, you know, like, the wind's blowing this way today, so we do this instead. And yeah. yes, he he ended up in the UK with Anton Dreyer of um, how do you say this brewery's name? Sh- S-C- Shawats- Sh- Sh- Coot. 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 It's, it ends with cute. <laughs> yes. No. Klein Schwatt. Vienna. A Vienna brewery. Yes, the Vienna brewery. All right. So Anton. So yeah, Anton. And you got Gabe, and they become great friends. They live with two other brewer guys, but Anton and Gabe, like, kind of connect. They're probably troublemakers in a way, I like to believe. Right. Like, like little mischievous brewers wanting to learn more and whatever. But, right. Yeah, so they, stuff. they wanted to go see Barkins and Clay Brewery, and they wouldn't get in, let him go. But they took tour after tour after tour yes. <laughs> as well, just to kind of, like, see more. And then, when they, and then they uh, – the brewer – the uh, author of the book ended up adding, ended up updating his book to include a section about brewing in foreign countries based on stuff that he learned from okay. Gabe and Anton, which is really cool. Yeah, that's really fun. And that was at. Um, Can you imagine if you and I went to somewhere, another country, and met someone who updated their book off the conversations they had with us? <laughs> oh my God. I know. That's well when you're saying that, I was like. It sounds like we need the girl version of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and then we've talked about this before, but one of the things they do is they go to Edinburgh and um, meet John Muir. And this is where he has like his, his brewing diary that has two locks on it. He doesn't let anybody see it. And sometimes they would get glimpses of it and try to like write down what they saw but so what they really wanted to do instead of just seeing all of the notes and, you know, the, the data was they wanted to just look at the beer themselves. And so this is where they made the walking sticks with like the false bottom on it. So they could just walk around and be like, bloop, and take a sample of beer and then take it back. Everything. <laughs> yeah. And then take it back to their hotel and like analyze it and look at it. And they said that he, like, Gabriel the Younger wrote his dad about it and was like, we do this all the time and we're always afraid we're going to get caught and beaten by this guy. (laughs) (laughs) But then they were able from that, you know, they were able to go back to Munich and Vienna, which are actually pretty close on the map. And that's where we get the Dunkel is coming out of this. And so is the Vienna lager and mm-hmm. they kind of come out at the same time. And the differences are, you know, there's Munich malt in the Munich beer and there's Vienna malt in the Vienna beer, but they're made the same way because it was like these two buddies went and, you know, learned about how to do all this stuff and stole beer and yeah. like pies off of wind windowsills and stuff and then came back and, and 
made these beers. Basically, using like British malt technologies with their bottom fermenting yeast to create these, like a Marzen style or Dunkel and like uh, like the Hell's Lager or um, Pilsner beer. And then you had, um, of course, you had like Czech who was making Pilsner. Right. Around the same time too. Yeah. And, um, but it is a great story. See, that's the best part. I love it. This is just all these stories. Yeah. And you that know, was Joseph Grolsch, right? Was the one who was in the Czech Republic, right? Who did Pilsner Raquel? What's his I name? To, I have to double check the name. But he was actually a Munich brewer who went. Yeah. To because um, they were brewing really shit beer in Pilsner Raquel. I mean in Pilsner. Like yeah. they, they the beer was not good. Um, most maybe probably like everywhere else, everything is smoky, sour, brown, you know, until you kind of learn more. But you're right, they brought in a new brewer who then all started make started making this light beer, and then they were making their own malt, which they named Pilsner Malt. Right. So you now you had the Pilsner beer, and then you see other people come out with Pilsner beers too, like Heineken had their Pilsner beer, and they. They they spell the word Pilsner different. So that's why you see all these different spellings of Pils, Pilsner, Pilsner with a couple extra E's or something. Right. Because each brewery was like, well, we're making our own malt and it's Pilsner malt, but we don't want to call it the same thing. It's like, right. so it's just a different brand. Right. Basically. It's Joseph Grohl, not Grolsch. Grohl. Yeah. But yeah, so in this book, like, again, this is talking about how bad the beer was in uh, Pilsen. So this one quote is citizens of Pilsen, your beer, pour some up a swine's arse and the poor beast won't stop squealing for a fortnight. Like it was, and every, and like the beer was so terrible and it was known for being really, really bad. And so the citizens were like, we're just going to make our own brewery. And so they did, like they destroyed all of the beer and built a community brewery and then brought in Joseph Grohl to be the brewer and just and it, make good beer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's pretty smart. Let one guy do it. What was he going to say? He's going to bring up something. Oh, yeah. I, and also, like, with all these um, brewing of the lagers, there also came cellaring caves, which, mm-hmm. like the one I went into in Shinkalaw, because it's still a cave. Like, you walk down. <laughs> I love, uh, yeah, I love the, just the low key, like, like the one I was in. Yeah, no, because it's exciting. exciting. I just want to make sure people know it's a cave. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then with all these lagering caves, which I love so much, became uh, beer gardens because they would, they would go, you know, they would dig, dig this really deep cave. They'd put their beer in it and they'd go up top and they'd plant trees to help keep the surface of the ground cool, cooler. And um, then what else a perfect place to sit and drink your beer? Right, exactly. And that's, that's your gardens. Yeah. It's it's funny because since we've been so again, we're still recording this with the uh pandemic, so we're on Skype again. Um as if you couldn't already tell by the quality. But <laughs> one of the things that um Tom had said was, you know, maybe we could like learn a language or something like that while we're while we're sheltering um in like place. Cicero to study for. <laughs> that was exactly my uh my response. <laughs> but I said, you know, we could, why don't we like learn German and then plan to go to Germany next year and do like what you guys do, go to these different cities. Um, we have made nine progress on it. 
right now. But, uh, but yeah, like reading through this and reading about him, you know, going to this hill where all of these brewers had their caves and their cellars, I was like, I really want to go to this place. I want to sit under these chestnut trees and I want somebody to let me walk into the cellars and look around. Yeah. No, you can totally get hooked up at Shanker Law. Yeah. Yeah, you could. But I could just find that guy. I could find the email. Like, there's ways. They're so nice. <laughs> They're so nice, you know? Like, right. They are. They are. All you got to do is ask. Um, express your intense passion for beer, and they love it, you know? Like, right. Whatever. But uh, I like how uh, those beer gardens, much like in modern times, people resist change a little bit. And those beer gardens started to do, like, really well. Like, people were like, whoa, shoot, I'm going to go out to the – because it was outside the city, too. So you had your right. city limits. And then these caves were built out there because, duh, where else are you going to build them? And to the like size of the hills. And now now you had this really social place that people were going and they were taking picnics or all of a sudden there was a food vendor. And it right. like became this thing. And bar um, breweries and taverns inside the town were like, wait a minute, those are our customers. And they start to get mad and try to give a little pushback. And I think ultimately, you know, beer gardens won. Because you can't, like, monopolize beer. <laughs> right. You know? Same same thing. Like, you'll see, like, um, there was even mention, you know, when loggers coming into, and this is a little bit down the line into the book, but when loggers being introduced into Britain, um, there was, or, or even London, there was all these, like, brewers. Brewers started to buy more breweries, and then they started to own more taverns. And then all of a sudden, there was becoming... A monopoly and the government shut that down right um like bass for example had almost six thousand pubs when they shut that down and they they could only have the new rule was you can only have two thousand so now you had to get rid of all these things and so it's very much uh explains how not only like the evolution of beer itself but like how the economy and the government and wars and limitations on things all affected beer right um, some some countries taxed on the amount of malt that you put in your mash tun. Some countries tax about the on the alcohol level of beer. So right. it's all which is kind of the same thing, but kind of. <laughs> well, that's why you get That's why adjuncts like sugar get introduced because right. now you can get higher alcohol with less malt. You know? Right, exactly, and yeah, not pay as much. And that's really important to know, like when you're trying to understand, like oh. English ales, like like studying for masters, like English ales have can be brewed with sugar. Like it's not like really something you know unless you study. Because why would you think that? Like I didn't really think that, you know. Right. It's yeah, especially with like English ales. You know. Like, yeah, it's like a, it was a wartime thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, just put like or adjuncts, you know, and it's like so just different stories like that have helping to explain how lager involved and just make it so much fun. Um. For sure. Trying to think some of the other good ones that I really liked. Story-wise, I was playing catch-up a little bit this morning. I was up for a little bit and then I fell asleep. I had a bad habit. <laughs> I just want to – I had uh, made some notes on my logger book. I just want to look at real quick. Oh, good. There you go. I see you. You know, and it uh, – Oh, yeah, and I do like how it talks – like it, one section, it breaks down, like, like it talks about what beer was before lager in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. kind of after the history of Renaxabag and stuff. And, and it very much falls into place, like with other stories you hear about history of beer, you know, women where the 
pretty much the first brewers because it was a household traditional thing. And then, and then the next really group of people to take interest in were like monasteries and monks started to brew most of this beer. So a lot of these breweries in Germany are monasteries or developed from monasteries. Right. Polliner. Yeah. Augustiner too, I think. Yeah. Augustiner and Polliner. And Munich is a, comes, means, um, comes from the derivation of near the monks. Right, right. So, you know, it's important. Whoa. Do you think think that's why Monkish is named Monkish? Like the brewery? Because, like, Munich would be, like, monk-ish. Like, you're close to, you're not a monk, but you're you're close to it. (laughs) You're going to have to ask them. I don't know. <laughs> but it shows you how bit, like important the brewing was to the development of the city. It named the city after brewing monks mm-hmm. or monks who brewed. I I know they did other things too, like pray. <laughs> <laughs> Not talk. I assume. I assume. <laughs> but it was also one of the first times where brewing jobs start to get like established and um differentiated like you had the brewer who probably was also like a cooper edge cooper cooper correct cooper, yeah the guy who fixes the barrels and right. deals with the keg, well not kegs barrels at that time so it made sense that the brewer would probably do that he was very closely related with making sure his beer didn't leak out of the cooperage right and had someone doing malt and then you had you know someone doing cellar or something like that so all of a sudden this thing that was just being de- done in the households now a huge part of life because people need beer right and a lot of labor a lot of intense like physical labor and at the end of the day you know that's what everyone wanted to turn to you know beer was bread it would help give you nutrients it would you know make your hunger feeling go away relax you hopefully maybe maybe really angry depending on the type of drinker you were <laughs> but and then you even had people who had their like one thing you brought up to me while we were when you first told me about this book was how, you know, there was the yeaster. There was yeah. a guy who his job was to like determine what was the good stuff, and he would put the stuff, you know, the stuff, which what were they called zug. Yeah. It was the stuff. Something and, like that. Yeah. And the, I don't I don't know how this like. So the book mentions a. <sighs> I don't know how to put this. The book mentions Hugh Hefner from mm-hmm. Playboy Magazine and how Hefner, the last name Hefner, it has a direct translation to Easter. So maybe Hugh Hefner's bloodline of family were the, you know, the Easters. Yeah. Maybe because just like like the name, like the, there's other things like that, like the person who invented like the blacks, like this blacksmith, he had a name similar to like the word blacksmith or something like right. that. So yeah. The, Things that were invented were, you know, were named after people. So Hefner was the yeaster. Right. Yeah, I love that. I And I, yeah, that's one of the things that reading through it, because in this book also talking about the Hefner and that being, you know, derived from breweries having somebody who has that job, that was in the context of, People saying, you know, like Reinheitsgebot doesn't list yeast because they didn't know yeast was a thing. And that was true to an extent. They knew that something was happening. They didn't know the process behind it. 
So, you know, there was a time when people thought it was spontaneous regeneration or God is good, but that wasn't as recent as everybody makes it seem to be. So it's, you know, they, they knew that yeast was a component. And so that's, that, that last name derivation is where they, part of why they can point to that and say, we, we know that people knew that yeast played a role because there were people who had that job. Yeah. And, you know, Ren Hoxabot came out like, what, 15, 16. And it wasn't until I, I, had, I know I have this in my um, timeline because I remember to put it in there. But it wasn't until like, like late 1800s. Yeah. 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 With with Louis Pasteur. But yeah, exactly. It was like 400 years later or something like that. So, right. Um, they, but like you said, they knew something. They thought yeast was a byproduct of the beer fermenting, right? Which, which some yeast are, but it comes from the initial yeast. How they got initial yeast, right? But yeah, you also they wine. also knew that you that had to be that had to interact with beer yeah. to get beer. And there's also evidence of them knowing that there is a difference between top fermenting and bottom fermenting. Right. Which, Uh you know, you read that and you're like, well, yeah, like I can, you know, if you show me two kinds of ducks, I can tell there's a difference. Like I can tell they're different kinds of ducks and like because I can just see it with my eyes. (laughs) And so, yeah, I can look at something fermenting and see is there stuff on top? No. Okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and it's funny, too, how, you know, Rin Hoxabot put such standards on brewing. And it was, it was definitely a good thing. It was definitely out of, like, the interest of having consistent good beer. Mm-hmm. They're tired. And there's even some mentions of, like, after these purity laws started to be enforced in different cities. Um, and then eventually, you know, includes wheat. And then it, eventually it starts to be like, listen, you need to brew good beer or you're going to get punished. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, there's one that's like, the punishment is, like, dumping all your beer or giving it to the poor. And it's like, okay, well, at least you're not getting hurt. <laughs> like, right. Like, Let's bring that back. Let's just bring back like councils of people. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what like Cicerone's and untapped kind of is. <laughs> My untapped rating. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like there needs point. to be a council that just goes around places. And it's like this right here, you got two choices. I can punch you in the face yeah. or you can dump all of your beer <laughs> because it's bad. Do better. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the book is straight up like, look, I'm not here to tell you history of the beer. Women brewed it, went to monastery monks. You know, we had a couple of laws. We had some division of labor. Boom. Now we're in Bavaria drinking dark beer. And that's what right. they had. They had brown beer and vice beer. And they had, Winter beer and summer beer. Winter beer and summer beer are just like that. Brewed in winter or for the winter or for the summer. But you could brew brown beer in summer or winter for a winter beer or summer beer, if that makes sense. Right. It's kind of like how barley can be spring barley or winter barley. And you could brew any kind of beer with either one. But they knew that this beer was not like they knew it needed a cooler temperature. So they could only brew in these months. Very specific. What is like September into September to into April. Yes. When you can brew, you need to brew your winter beer and you need to brew all your summer beer, like between those months. So, you know, you start out brewing like low, you know, like party guile style brews. You have stuff to save, stuff to drink. Um, 
you start brewing your summer beer, like in the like new year months, you know, January, February, stuff like that. And then it needs to like they knew that it needed to be a little bit stronger. They knew that it needed to probably have more hops um, and they need they knew it needed to survive aging. So the summer beer was always a little bit more expensive than the winter beer as well. Um, and then you have stuff like your your Mars and beer, which was brewed for the Oktoberfest wedding, the party. And that's kind of how that got started. And but it was very specific, like, OK, we know we need to have this party in October. So we need to brew this beer now. And it needs to be something that can save. Right. Boom. And so and everyone had different levels of like what this beer tasted like. Like it, this was not light beer, not light lager. This was in the time when things were dark and smoky and different levels of bitterness or alcohol or acidity. And it was all very brewer specific, estate specific, if you will, right. monastery specific, maybe um, different people at this. You know, monks weren't the only ones brewing beer once it started to come a little bit commercialized. Estates would brew their own beer for their own purposes and they would use whatever they had. Um, but it had to be barley malt. Well. Yeah, malted barley. I right guess. About, yeah, it's. I'm it, just saying, uh, thinking about like the dates, like when, because there was a time where, well, beer, beer purity laws were happening before Red Hoxabot was, Red Hoxabot was like established. Red Hoxabot um, was like a new signing of ordinance like there was still some like munich established a beer purity law in like 1420 and it just said like it was mostly about like the selling like it declared that beer must be well fermented by top fermentation and um sold not sold but for more than seven days so this like this tells us that they extinguished between top and bottom fermentation and only sold top fermenting beer young but not too young um and then a Eventually, it even says in this my same my little notes, it said they actually got like permission to use bottom fermenting yeast like in the same year. So right. it like started out with this like, no, it needs to be top fermenting. And then Brewer was like, wait, wait, wait. I got this bottom fermenting. This is why you need to do this. <laughs> Hear <laughs> you, me out. It's not like it's not like you can't have only bottom fermenting beer in Germany, just to be Correct. clear. We yes. do. We are talking a lot about lagers, but they have ales like wheat beers um Weizenbox can be made with an ale or a lager string the uh, gozos you know um so uh so it's super interesting how it all just kind of shapes everything I, I just like it because it's just so story-like you know right and like, it's yeah it's yeah. it's fun it's a like you said it's a fun way to supplement Knowing exactly what a decoction mash schedule is going to look like and what temperatures you need to have for your acid rest and your protein rest. But then you just hear the story of like, you know, he always brought a ham and cheese sandwich for lunch every day. And it just it humanizes <laughs> the people or, who you've been reading about in all these books. Or like this guy was kind of a dick, you know, and really get along. <laughs> and I bought out his brewery. Fuck him. You know, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense in, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at New Brewing Lager Beer, uh, that book by Greg Noonan, and, you know, that's about brewing lager beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I, if I'm reading that, and there's a story in there about, you know, how, like, Gabriel the Younger always smelled bad because he didn't (laughs) have good hygiene, I would be like... Well, that's not really why I'm reading this book, but this locker book is a lot of fun. And I think you could read it, even if you are not a beer person, you would still enjoy this book because it just has compelling stories. 
But yeah, I think definitely if you haven't read A Brief History of Lager yet, highly, highly, highly recommend getting it. You can tell how excited Rachel and I are about it. And, <laughs> and we only got like halfway through the book. Uh, yeah, today. I was gonna say there's there's more too. Like it goes in it goes into the present day of logger and kind of how it evolved from each country. So this is a really deep rooted history going on in England and Germany and Austria and like uh you know Czech, even Edinburgh, you know Scotland. Um, but like there's more of that as time goes by. You see like the industrial revolution, how it really shapes things like refrigeration, right. uh, travel by train. Now, now all these breweries are sending their beer to other places and exporting it and really starting to grow. And what one in particular chapter I like is really about the growth of Heineken mm-hmm. and just kind of how like like it starts out like Heineken took over the world. And it's true. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Heineken, I did not realize I, I did not realize how big Heineken was. Oh, another thing, side note, I really like is how it explains the mergers between everyone as it goes along. Yes. And then it reminds you of them too. Like, remember you had, you know, you had an interbrew, you know, organization, right. and then you had Ambev, and then they merged in interbrew, and now it's AB interbrew. And it's like, oh, thank you for reminding me about how one brewery owns the world. Yes. No, I, <laughs> and I agree. And when you were saying earlier about making a timeline of the dates in this book, with mergers, I do have a hard time keeping straight, especially with imports. Like, okay, who owns Bass? Who owns this one? Who owns that one? And I was actually doing a blind tasting last weekend, and I one of the beers I tasted, I was like, is this a Guinness product? Because we were doing guest brew. And I've, I think I've said on here before, I get a very specific flavor from Guinness brewed beers. Oh. And Tom said, Actually, let me look because I forgot who owns this brewery. Yeah, I know, and, right? And surprise, it was Newcastle. Heineken owns it. <laughs> um, it. It is interesting and good to have that because I forget. And like with the English breweries, too, they, that's – Yeah. And, and German breweries, like those are all like, well, Hacker Shore used to be Hacker and Shore. Yeah, and, they and, were and Hacker. Yeah, and then Hacker <laughs> bought Spotten or whatever, and then, you know, and it's just like, and then in 1920, it turned into this, and it's like, okay, this is giving me very clear this, then this, then this, and this is yeah. who owns them now. Yes. So I agree with you on that. It, the book does a fantastic job of laying that out. Yeah. And, and it will, keeps reminding you, and they're like, oh, yeah, just remember, it went like this. And you're like, okay, thanks for the reminder book. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I really like about this book is that right after I was finished reading it, and because we're studying for the test, I also, you know, I'm kind of following your guideline. We're doing a lot of sours right now. So I was, like, started on my American Sour book. And so Logger book, every time it has a reference and it wants to, like, explain something to you, it does it at the very bottom of the page. Yes. You don't have to flip all the way to the back. Yeah, and then it I, has I footnotes, not in notes. Yeah, and yeah, thank you. I knew there was a word. <laughs> and then the you know, sour book was like completely opposite. And I was like, this is so annoying. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. I know how much I appreciate it until I didn't have it. So thank you, logger book. <laughs> yes, exactly. <sighs> exactly. So yeah, I would say um, definitely get this. But I just looked up the logger book on Amazon. It's thirteen dollars and fifty cents. So it's not it won't break your bank. It's a really good book. Hardback even. 
1350. Right, What's right. What's the price? It's not a it's not undervaluing itself, don't worry. But yeah, yeah it's it's really know. good, and it definitely gave me more. It's one of the things that I love about beer is that you can always learn something more, and it touches on so many parts of history and society and civilization, and it's just you know it drives drives things like the Industrial oh. Revolution. Oh, I have this cooking with beer book. Oh, do you? Yeah, it he starts out. Um, and, and like, it's really funny because in the beginning of the book, he's like, look, I'm not a beer connoisseur. I like to cook. I like to drink beer. Um, he clearly learned a lot about lager, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, Is but he, he the one where you got the taco recipe from? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. It's just a cookbook. But he's, he's like, look, when I was in college, I didn't have a lot of money, but I always had, I maybe had a cheap can of beer or this, and I like to cook. So I just started doing recipes that were like not over top, but not like super simple either. So it's like. It's really good. Like, so I've started making um, my, because I try to make a meal when I can with some mm-hmm. beer. I started using this book for those recipes. And nice. It's good. I would, I would recommend that one. I, you're right. You don't need them all. The beer bucket list. I don't think I need that. Beer and food matching. I could go for that because I'm weak in that area. But uh, no, the cooking with, this is the one that I was like, Jen, uh. did you give me this book? <laughs> because <laughs> I had it I was in my office looking for books and I was like where did this come from and I started looking at it and that night I text Jen I was like Jen did you give me this book and she's like oh man did it just come and I was like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like I don't think so but I've been drunk ordering a bunch of bullshit so maybe I did <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah and Rachel's like Oh, no, I've had it for a while. I just didn't know if maybe you got it for me like a while ago. And I was like, oh, because I haven't been drunk ordering a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been 11 p.m. And I'm like, you know what? I do need all this makeup. This is going to change my life. I'm going to be one of those girls that has makeup on point every day. And then it arrives and I'm like, what? Why did I... Why did I think I would wear bright red lip liner? (laughs) But I've also been getting a lot of books, too. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. My um, show up. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I guess that we can probably wrap it up so you can get to the brewery and I can. Yeah. Do whatever it is I need to do. I do have this article from the. Like this it. is from the NBAA Technical Quarterly. I don't know if you can see it if I hold it up for you, but it yeah. is about the inspiring and surprising history and legacy of American lager beer. And I haven't read it yet, and I'm very excited to read it. So I will send it to you. Okay, good. Just gonna say. Yeah, because I think we should have another. I think it would be good to do an episode on lager American beer. Lager. Yeah. American. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like American lagers specifically because we didn't even touch that part of the book and it is where even um, earlier this week I was doing a training for certified beer server and I was talking about the different yeast strains and I said you know American ale yeast classic American ale yeast is very clean and as I as I was saying that I was like you know that actually makes a lot of sense because our Mm -hmm. American beer came from German and bohemian brewers and so it makes sense that once america started brewers in america started 
evolving their own beer styles that they would still use a really clean yeast. And it was one of those things where I was like, wow. And they're also not patient people. So the fact right. that ale, the fact that it's clean and <laughs> ale makes even more sense. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. We should look into that because like, how did the Chico yeah. strain become the Chico strain? And it is a very American thing yeah. to not want to wait for beer to lager. And figure out a way to do it faster so you Maybe we could just, like, reach out to Charlie Papazian and see if, like, you know, he wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. Maybe we could, like, maybe after a conversation with us, he would rewrite a book. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe Maybe not. Be like, who are you girls? I'll be like, you fist bumped me once. Yeah. Actually. (laughs) 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 When it was still cool to fist bump. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely do one on American, the development of American lager beer, and then one just on lagers generally. So this can be like our little lager suite of episodes. Yeah. So once we have a substantial library of podcast episodes, we have our little, like, these are our yeah. lager ones. Lager series. Yeah. Welcome. Listen yeah. to all these to become a master. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. What better way to like prepare ourselves? Sorry, you have to subject our listeners to all that. (laughs) Right. You know, they can turn it off. They don't have to listen. Yeah, I do that with podcasts though. Sometimes I'm like, this one's just really boring. I don't like it. And I'm like, I can also just hit pause at any time (laughs) and not finish it. But you need to finish it. So thank you, everyone, if you've stuck with us through through these. All of these episodes, and especially this one, um, this is our first book club episode, so we'll have to do some more uh, book club ones because I like for people to be able to see where we're getting our information because we don't just know this stuff. It comes from reading all of these books over time as we're studying and then just being beer enthusiasts and uh, brewers. So thanks, everyone, for listening please give us a follow on facebook yes okay let me get my mind right uh, <laughs> facebook and instagram at false bottom girls you can email us anytime at false bottom girls at gmail.com and um if you can as i think it's been a while since we've asked but please subscribe and rate and review our podcast if you like it if you don't then just put it on untapped um, but you know, it's, it takes just a second of your time, but it really helps us and other people discover the gift of false bottom girls. <laughs> very, very appropriately put. Yes. <laughs> this has been false bottom girls and we make the Bruin world go round.